Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now. Here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. It's an emergency version of the Peristyle Podcast. I guess it's a borderline emergency, but there's been a serious, serious shakeup in the USC athletic department. We're going to talk about that. We've got some special guests in studio, Keely Yor. She's here a lot. Follow her on Twitter at Keely is my name. Hello, Keely. Hello, hello. Hey, we got Shotgun Spratling normally here for the Tunnel Vision show, but he's coming in here for the podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Shotgun SPR. He's always trying to get more followers than Keely. I don't know how that battle's going, but what's up, Shotgun? What's up, guys? Uh, she's winning that battle. There's no. <laughs> she's prettier than I am, so therefore she gets more followers. Though if I have wow. my if I have my two accounts, since I have a separate college baseball one, I'm dominating her. Okay. Um, is that, do there, you ever compliment her? There's calling her so pretty? much nice. to unpack right there. No, I said she's but prettier than me. Let's not go too far. Yes, that's why that's people follow me. My goodness. <laughs> nice. Well, we haven't done a podcast for a little while. Uh, the last time Keely and I were on, we was an emergency podcast following the Holiday Bowl. I did a show with Harvey Hyde last week. Uh, been a little under the weather, but kind of back at it now, though my voice in the beginning has not been uh, all that great. The first... The first Hello Trojan fan take was pretty terrible. It was hilarious. A great voice crack. And he, he deleted it. Immediately deleted it. I he mean, like wanted not to want, keep it for you guys. He did but not want that happen. to be found ever. It could have been, but we're, it's just, that would take more work. But it's a kind of emergency podcast. So with the big news coming out of USC, um, big shakeup as far as the athletic department goes. Not unexpected. We thought Mike Bone would come in and, and make some moves. And it took a little while for them to figure out what they're going to do. The first moves, uh, Steve Lopes, who's the CFO and COO, uh, he's been there for 35 years. Uh, he's fired. Also, Ron Orr, who's a senior associate athletic director. You might have seen him uh, a lot of the Swim with the Mike stuff he was involved with. The Trojan Athletic Fund, which if any of those Trojan clubs from around Southern California, across the country, uh, Ron was running all that kind of stuff. Um, so he's gone. And then also Scott Jacobson, who's in a... He, he's, Associate Athletic Director, he's not been around as long as those guys. Both those Lopes and Orr around for 35 years. So um, just off the top, we were able to, I think it was first reported by the LA Times, Ryan Karji, and we were able to confirm uh, the firings ourselves. And, you know, I know there were some reports out there that this was really tied to Varsity Blues. The source I talked to said, really, no, this is more of uh, Mike Bone coming in and making a big move, uh, you know, He's got to put his own stamp on the athletic department. The only move he really made as far as bringing in his own people was uh, Brandon Sosna, who came in and is his uh, chief of staff, who came in from Cincinnati as well. So now this kind of opens up to to make some more hires. Um, and, you know, 
not unexpected. With thought these were at least two of the names I thought were going to be on the chopping block, and now it's happened. So maybe, maybe get your guys' uh, initial thoughts on this. I mean, I, I didn't think it, it's not surprising to me that you know, that they would make moves when you come in. I think that they need to clear house. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more moves to come after this. You know, I, I don't think you can just basically come in and say, "All right, everyone's out." All at one time because you still need staff to do jobs and stuff. There's still, you know, things that have to be done. But I think this might be the first of, you know, several maybe uh, iterations of this where you see a, a few guys, a few people get fired at one time, and then a few in a, in a couple weeks or something like that. But you know, honestly, with as much turmoil, as much scandal, as much everything that has gone on in the athletic department over the last decade. I I would clear house completely. That's just my opinion. You know, I know there's some Ryan. You you talk with some of the people there, and you've said before on Tunnel Vision and stuff that there's some good people and stuff. But I don't care. I would clear house in completely. Sorry, you you were part of a bad regime. You know, you're still a part of it. You know, so you're gonna have to be gone too. Everyone has to go, and we'll put new people in. Good luck to you in the future. If you're a good person and you know you're doing a good job, you'll find another job somewhere else. But I'm just clearing house completely, and I think this is is the first step in that. Now, I was kind of surprised that there was this tie to the Varsity Blue scandal. Not that I would be surprised that there are people that are attached to it. That sources would kind of let that out. I, I think that they would just make their moves and go. And, and I think that's why you've kind of seen you know a little bit of backtracking on that, uh, saying that maybe it's more of the the new organization, you know, and the new people trying to come in and, and kind of clear their clear way and, and get their people in there instead. Yeah, so these were expected. You, you would think with everything going on, like Shotgun said, that moves would need to be made. But I was told from the beginning when Bone came in that it would take time and that he's trying to restructure things. And the structure that USC had in the athletic department was kind of different, the power struggles and whatnot. So I was told that he's trying to – he was in the process of restruggling that – or re – changing the power struggle basically but those things take time and so seeing that this first kind of domino is going down it's going to be interesting to see the moves that come next yeah and you don't want to use like politically charged terms but the whole draining the swamp kind of thing was was talked about and whatever i mean i think that needed to happen and i like shotgun said i like a lot of people that work there i've you know i've had personal relationships with you know even steve lopes and ron Orr. i like those guys as people but if you've been there for 35 years, and especially the last 10, where you've had athletic directors who had zero experience, so they were relying on the, all the senior people that are there. One of those senior people, Donna Heinel, is gone. Um, you know, Steve Lopes has been there a really long time. And if even if you didn't have anything to do with both of the FBI investigations and and a lot of the the you know the shortcomings with the football team and all that kind of stuff and the hirings and scheduling uh, an FCS school for the first time and all that stuff. You either were you know, part of that or you let it happen like on your watch. It's just, it, it's hard to, it, it's been such a department in turmoil that if you're a senior person that's been there for 35 years, even if your, your, you know, contribution was minimal, why didn't you fix it? Why were, why was all these problems going on while you're there? So personally, you know, definitely like, like these people, like shotgun was talking about, but I, I completely agree. Needed new blood in there. I was hoping, you know, some of, and we'll see that it might keep some of the, the younger members. Uh, a guy like Scott Jacobson was, uh, he championed the 1923 club up top. I know a lot of those people that haven't been there that long. Didn't have the kind of power, uh, especially with, I think Lynn Swan was, I mean, it was hard to even talk to Lynn Swan if you worked there. So 
So, I mean, I, but you know, we don't know everything that's going on, but you know, it sucks to see people like that. You'd hope that they'd be able to, um, you know, find some better leadership and be able to, you know, do their projects and do them well. But, you know, like what Shotgun's saying is it, everyone was going to be on the table no matter what. And, you know, some of it might not be fair, but I think some of these firings are, are long overdue. Something that I've heard you talk about a lot, Ryan, is kind of the country club atmosphere, if you will. Shotgun, you mentioned it as well. Do you think this is a step in the right direction as far as these moves that have been made? Yeah, you had to, you had to clean some of the stuff up. And I feel like the reason you hire a Pat Hayden and you hire a Lynn Swan were because those were people that were going to come in and ask you the question, how do you guys do things? And because there are people have been there a long time and they've been doing things and it looks like from all the scandals and everything, they weren't really doing things well. Um, and you, we've seen the, you know, the, the downfall with the football team and all this kind of stuff where USC really needed 10 years ago to hire someone that was good at their job. That's the thing, you know, that wasn't a USC guy, the thing that I harp on forever, that was good at their job. And if you brought in a sitting athletic director from somewhere else, they don't come in. They might ask you, hey, how do you guys do things? But they know how they already do things. So they will say, okay, here's your list of 10 things you do. Eight of them suck. We're not going to do those anymore. We're going to, but I like these two and we'll work with this. Maybe we'll work with number seven. Um, and so they haven't done that. And so no changes were going to be made. They were just going to keep doing the same things over and over again. So I think, you know, to clean up that, if you want to call it a country club, whatever it is, they were just doing things their way, the USC way, which was out of bounds with what normal, you know, major athletic departments yeah. do. They were USC was doing things their way and maybe it worked for a while, but it hasn't been working for the last 10 years. So you need someone to come in and go, instead of doing things your way, we're going to do things the right, like how other people do them the right way. Like yeah. the other, like what would Texas do or what would Florida state do or what would Ohio state do instead of USC does things their own way. It's like that, that had to stop. Cause it was just, they were just driving everything into the ground. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you have to come in. You have to put your own stamp on things if you're Mike Bone, if you're Carol Folt. And I think this is the first step. I think, like you said, you have to, you know, as Mike Bone said when he first got hired, he wanted to listen and learn and then lead. Well, you got to look and see, okay, how are they doing these things? And even if you're sitting there going, this does not seem right. This does not seem right. Let me let it play out for a month or so and see how things go. You want to get through a football season. And I think this is kind of just the, the first steps because he was hired in the middle of the football season and it's such a big calendar event. You know, It leads into the winter break. Now over winter break, you had an opportunity. Now this is the beginning of the second semester for the students. I think this is the time when you would, you know, would kind of expect in between, you know, the 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 two semesters is when you expect to make some changes like this. So I think this is just kind of the timing seems to fit that kind of that thought process that you want to look and see what's going on and then go go ahead and make your choices, make your decisions based on that. And like I said, I think, you know, when you have a regime that's not doing well, you know, you think about a government in, in a third world country or something and there's a complete regime change. They don't say, you know what? Let's keep the vice president around. Let's keep the, you know, the secretary of defense or whatever. No, they say all you people are out. We've got our own people that are coming in now. And I think that's what you're seeing here. You you start to make moves to to create your own department and kind of lead it in a new direction. And I think it starts with moving out the top people, and that's you know Steve Lopes and Ron Orr, those guys. You know, I think those are the guys that have been the ones that have 
you know, pushed the continuation of what has gone on for the last decade. So I think those were the first ones that you would see leave. And then now I think you would you you could look to continue moving on down the line. So I think that this is maybe just the first step in uh, in clearing house a, a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if you just like a few months ago in the athletic department, Lynn Swan, Steve Lopes, uh, Don Heidel, I guess a few months before that, Ron Orr, like all those people are gone. Um, so it's, it's definitely been a, some sort of shakeup that needed to happen. And uh, we'll talk about that in a second. I, we didn't get a, really the whole introduction to the podcast. So we do appreciate everyone listening. If you have any questions or comments, I know we have a lot of them yes. sitting in the queue. So we'll get to those in a few minutes, but podcast at uscfootball.com, or you could call us or text us 424-254-9141. Please subscribe. It's a brand new year. It's a new podcast. We'll have lots of uh, interesting guests, I think, on, especially during the offseason. We'll try to work on that. Uh, Dan Weber has been dealing with some some health stuff. He had some oral surgery, um, so he hasn't been on the show for a little while. We'll make sure we get him back when he's uh, – he left me a voicemail, and it was a little hard to understand him. So, you know, we'll, oh, no. we'll get Dan uh, back on and stuff after that. So appreciate that. But we do want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. I got to have uh, lunch with our representative from Trader Joe's over there who's an avid listener to the That's podcast. Fun. John is a great guy and uh, had lunch with him. Yesterday, we're going to continue our relationship going forward. So that's awesome. I get when I was sick, my friend Denise, uh, who big USC fan, she brought me a little care package from Trader Joe's in one of the USC Trader Joe's bags with uh, the the frozen wonton soup is really good. So wow. check it out. I like wontons are just like little dumplings. I love those things. So mm-hmm. when you put them in a soup, it's great. But even just a little ramen package, she got me some of those. Uh, some of the different teas. I'll you know get my honey supply up. You got it. You need honey for the tea. Um, so we got, got restocked for my friend Denise, so, nice. which I had lunch with her and her husband today. So that was nice oh, to very, see them, but yeah, but yeah, thanks to Trader Joe's. Make sure you check it out. We got, we talked about some of the square footage of different, um, Trader Joe's ones. Like there's one in Manhattan beach that's pretty small and, uh, it's been there forever, but like the one in Hermosa, it's, it's a, it's one, you know, one of the bigger ones or, you know, on the bigger side and there's lots of parking stuff there, but we got into like Trader Joe's parking issues, all kinds of stuff, you know, and, and, but the one at USC is absolutely like it's doing way better than what they said. So wow. hopefully I'm allowed to share this, but it was, uh, he said it's, it's, they're killing it there at the USC one. I would assume so. Yeah. I mean, uh, you get students that come in a lot, but there's also the a lot of people from the yeah. 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 So they weren't, I don't think they were sure about, you know, community wise, but they've all come in there and it's been great. So we, we love that store. So make nice. sure you go check yeah, it out. Very nice. Um, so yeah, so that's the Dan stuff. Please subscribe to the podcast, wherever you subscribe, leave us positive feedback, uh, you know, five star, Ratings, reviews, all those kind of stuff. Um, so this is f- something when we had the war room a couple weeks ago, when I talked to, I uh, had lunch with Brandon, so- Brandon Sosta, who's like the, um, what is he? What's Chief his? of staff. Chief of staff uh, for Mike Bone. Really the only guy that Mike Bone brought in. Now we expect some new hires and stuff to come in. So I'm curious to see who they bring in. But uh, what, and I think one of the things we talked about on Tunnel Vision was, they already made the super unpopular decision of keeping Clay Elton. And everyone hates them all for it. They're all, everyone's terrible, blah, blah, blah. And I think my my thing was, you can't really dig out of that easily, quickly. It's more of a, you're going to need for shotguns, you know, for analogy, you have to hit like a crap load of singles. Like, there, you know, that was the home run. Like, that was the grand slam. You fire him. Everyone's going to think this you're awesome. You don't do that. Now you're like in a big hole. Small ball, but you got to play some small ball, you know. And I don't even think you can sacrifice because you you need singles. You can't you don't you can't like waste outs at all. <laughs> so you just need a lot of singles. 
this was kind of a, you know, there's some low hanging fruit out there, you know, like, oh, you bring Reggie Bush back, you get rid of that <laughs> FCS game. Um, you know, and, and Steve Lopes was the, you know, the guy, you know, he was in charge of scheduling. So he was a big part of that. So there, I mean, there's potential for something like that to happen, but getting rid of some of the lifers that have been in the athletic department that you could say enabled this, what was going on or whatever, uh, kind of a, you know, it's a good single for me. So I think this is the first of many little steps that they can make as an athletic department to try to win the fans back. I think the P reaction wasn't great. I was going to ask, because the P reaction so far has been discounting any credit that Folt or uh, Mike Bone could have in this decision. And basically it was USC's general counsel that forced them to make these firings because of essentially the Varsity Blues scandal. Yeah. But I would disagree with that. I don't think, I mean, Varsity Blues might have something to do with it, but from the source I talked to you was, this is, you know, you need to put your own stamp on things. There was plenty of reasons. Shaka went over a lot of the reasons why people yeah. shouldn't be around. So I think, you know, it makes sense to me that this is just and it and and like you said, the fans aren't going to like, oh, everything's going in the right direction. But it's like, okay, that's one positive thing, and they need they need some wins. Yeah, I think this is the first like little win, and you need a bunch of little wins. Well, it shows some sort of understanding of things that need to be fixed because it could be a a, a swan situation where continue as normal and these people are going to continue to run the show. So the fact that this happened at least shows some area of competence <laughs> like they, yeah. because that wouldn't happen under swan no or hate it no yeah. they were, those people yeah yeah they were in charge and you know in charges in quotes air quotes there because they weren't necessarily running things but they were the figurehead in the front and they didn't know exactly what they were doing because they had never done it before now mike bone comes in you know sasna comes in with them they've run a program before you know they've done it together at cincinnati and had some success with the hires and stuff that they did there now they've got to take the next steps you know get the right people in you got to get the you got to cut away like the 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 dead skin to, to okay yeah bring exfoliate in the, yeah there you go you got to exfoliate a little bit to, to to bring in some some fresh blood and you know get that that nice shine back on the program, which has not been the case you know for a while now. Uh, but I think it starts with getting rid of some of the old, getting rid of, of what was kind of holding the program back potentially. And if you've been here for thirty five years, you've been here the last ten years in particular, you're holding the program back. You're yeah. not pushing the program in the right direction because you've let the program sink to where it is now, which is the lowest level now. I wasn't here during the 90s. I know it was rough during the 90s as well as a football program at least. But this is pretty bad. This is this is I mean two losing seasons in a row. I mean not two losing seasons in a row, but two seasons unranked in a row. You know, just there's no optimism around the program. Your recruiting's at an all-time low in the modern recruiting era. Just the football program itself is at a low for at least this century that we're in currently. So, you know, you got to start making some changes. And like you said, I think this is the, the start of it. It's a couple singles, you know, start the rally. That's what you yeah. got to do. Start the rally, got the rally start exfoliating, <laughs> you know, any other analogies so we want to throw in there. Uh, but I think this is just the start and you have to, you have to build from here. This can't be the end all can't be the be all it has to be just the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, you got to try to win over the fan base slowly. Like you need those. It's not going to work right away. Just the first thing you do. That's positive. This is the first thing they've done. That's positive. Uh, it's not going to win everybody over, but so you need a few of these wins in a row. Uh, last night I was at um, this uh, club in Manhattan Beach watching the national championship game, 
with a friend of mine who's a you know pretty big USC booster. He's in in real estate in the South Bay. Uh, our buddy Colin Coward went out there. He was we were Fun. hanging out. I'm sorry about the day job, but, the, for the but it invite. was it was neat. Just to, but there was a couple guys I didn't know that were friend like mutual friends, and uh, you know there are two guys that are I think they're probably in their late fifties were roommates at USC together. One lives in Manhattan Beach. One lives in New York City. The guy from New York City just flew out there. First thing he says to me is like, I listen to you every day. Like he didn't know he was going to meet me. I was like, I listen to you every day. Blah, blah, blah. I'm in New York. My team's all stink. And I, you know, but I love listening to the pot, you know, uh, reading your, I'm on your site every day and all that stuff. It was pretty cool to kind of chat with him. So he didn't know he was going to like hang out with the USC guy and then, and Colin Coward. And the other guy. D- is this one giant flex? Like, we were- no, it's funny. And then Dennis, the Rudy other guy. Clubbing? He had an Alabama shirt on. The other USC guy. Now, his daughter went to or goes to Alabama or something, but he's one of those guys that's like, I've just checked out. Like, Doug, the guy from New York, was like, I still follow it. I still want to follow it every day, but he's not happy. And other Geddes was just like, I've checked out. Until Helton's gone, I'm done. So it was interesting to kind of see USC fans. Like, like these guys were college roommates, you know. They've been doing this a long time. And just, like, the different kind of uh, attitudes or whatever. But I think everyone was happy that Orgeron, like, everyone – I haven't ran into too many USC people that aren't happy that Orgeron won. I know there's some people that have, like – the hot takes that he's terrible. Michael Castillo. That's fine. Whatever you want to think about. I mean, I, I don't even want to get into those arguments, but I, I don't think even like a Michael Castillo or anybody is like, I think they're happy that Orgeron won. Um, now, maybe it doesn't help their argument and they, they fight more or whatever. Well, that's fine. I think the Traveler Hates Thursdays people are like getting on people a lot too. I think they were like retweet or like replying to tweets about old tweets that they said where they didn't like Orgeron. But for the most part, it seems like USC fans were pretty happy that Ed Ordron uh, won a national championship. And really, the most impressive resume, you know, there's only been two 15-0 teams, and he, you know, his team beat more top 10 teams than anybody. The AP top four to start the season, he's beat them all. And everyone he beat was like by 21. I mean, it was it was pretty impressive. Impressive. So uh I'm very I'm very I he was one of the first coaches that we would ever do interviews with back in the day with the site. Uh, was always great. Um, you know, when I ran into him at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, after he got fired, and he was—I think he was going to take a Saints job, defensive line or something—and I went to introduce myself, and he's like, "I know you, Ryan. How you doing?" He was just like the <laughs> coolest guy. Like he remembered you. Just, I think I told the story. Deshaun Jackson's family walks by, and he went to Cal. He didn't even go to USC, and they were just like gushing over Ed or so. Like they loved him so much, you know. Even though he, you know, his, their son ended up going to Cal. He's just that genuine of a guy. And, uh, you know, all the people that have had, you know, uh, interaction with him at USC, I think we're pretty happy. So, uh, yeah, it was I'm awesome to see. Yeah. Before my time, but it was good to see um, the fact that Pat Hayden was trending on Twitter for a little bit in like That's California <laughs> kind of tells you something about that whole situation. <laughs> it's, and, uh, it's funny because if you want to talk about losses in the athletic department, you know, not keeping Clay's the big one. That's the nuclear boom. You screwed. You know, you game over. You lose. But there's also the like, you know, saying about the the recruiting stuff and like, you know, we talked about this on Tunnel Vision. There's there's been some other smaller losses that were avoidable too. The big one, you know, you can argue whatever. Uh, but this is another lot. Like this is another like just Salt you know the when they're talking like on Sports Center when they're talking about USC and the national championship. It's only because. There you're arguing over who, you know, did USC screw up or not by letting, you know, whatever. You can, I don't want to make that argument, but 
and you know, the facts are that USC didn't want to hire this guy, and now he's a national champion. Not saying that he ever would have been at USC. I think he would have been way better than what USC had. But yeah, it's like it's just another one of those like you know, it, it would have been ideal if he didn't win a national championship for the athletic department because it's just like another thing. Oh, remember that other decision the athletic department made that was terrible? Like oh, no, here 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 it is. Um, it's just yeah. a, it's another dagger in the ribs, kind yeah. of. You know, underneath the armor, dagger, gladiator style. You know, just the the wound is is continuing to bleed instead of you know cauterizing it and getting back to work. Uh, <laughs> so you know, many analogies. I don't know where these are coming from either. <laughs> it's just that chair, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you 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 feel excited for Ed Orgeron because you know all the interactions we've had with him. He's been great with us. Um, you know, you see some of the t- stories that are coming out on Twitter, you know, like a, there was a small athletic director say, you know, that Orgeron had contacted him when he was at USC coach. We don't have anybody. We don't have anybody at your caliber. He's almost, I'm gonna come by anyway, coach. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know when we have somebody, if we get anybody uh, in the future. And then 10 minutes later, he shows up and he just comes to talk football. And, you know, he's, you know, he said that the athletic director said that you know he took the time with like a, a stat keeper for the football team that and treated him like a five star recruit just because he liked USC and like those things are not necessary but those are the type of stories you hear a lot about Ed Orgeron. One of my favorites actually from last night was him walking off the field at the Superdome and a reporter comes up and is only speaking French and Ed Edo jumps in you know <laughs> speaking French with him as well because he's got this reputation you know as the national pitcher of like oh he's this, this country boy you know and there's because he talks and it's ineligible uh in unintelligible Ill, it's, Un- unintelligible it's illegible when they, when you have the captions on the, the closed <laughs> captioning and so people think that that he's not smart because of it, but the, he just shows he he has a you know a second language and everything. Uh, I, I love those type stories because it, he's kind of been underrated to an extent, you know. And a lot of people will give credit to Joe Brady and will give credit to Dave Aranda, and sure, you know they deserve credit. You know he's got now coordinators that are making over five million dollars combined, <laughs> and not many coaches get that, but. He's the one that put that together, and so he gets the credit for it as well. And I think he's done a tremendous job down there, and they're they're a program that's going to continue to roll. Like I said on Tunnel Vision previously, there's a lot of talent in that area that he can recruit from, and he's coming and dipping into Southern California as well. He's taking advantage of that. Yeah, Rajon Davis and Elias Ricks last year, the number one cornerback in the country. USC was expected to be a favorite there, and instead, you know, USC legacy parents, and instead he's going to LSU. Rajon Davis, similar type of situation, modern-day five-star linebacker, committed to LSU right now. Uh, he's taking advantage of USC's struggles in recruiting as well, and you know he's not the only one, but you know, give him a lot of credit for everything he's done down there. He, he's you know got that program at the heights uh, of where it can be, and like you said, that resume for this season makes it one of the greatest seasons of all time, I think. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, well, I guess we should – probably jump into some of these questions. They're, they're probably all over the place, right? We got some old ones. We might have to delete they're some. They're old ones. They're for Dan. They're everywhere. So, But we'll just do our best. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do our best. Um, let's start off with a text, uh, actually for all three of us. Good afternoon, Ryan Keeley and Shotgun. I'm curious your thoughts on the multiple confirmations that several USC players were laughing, laughing in all quotes, after the Holiday Bowl loss to Iowa. I look at the Saints-Viking games this weekend, and players are crouched in the end zone in tears, frustrated beyond belief. Granted, I know it's the NFL and these are just kids, quote-unquote, but this is another example of the unacceptable unacceptable culture at USC that only Coach Meyer could change. Curious your thoughts. Thanks so much and fight on. 
Now, I wasn't there. I didn't go down to uh, the, the, the terrible venue, and I did, we did the radio show with Taylor Mays here. So you guys are always paying attention on the sidelines. What, uh, what did you see? You know, I think coming off the field, there were some smiles that, that seemed a little out of place and stuff. I don't know that I saw anyone, like, laughing and joking and stuff. And on the way out of the locker room, there was not that. You know, the players – exited really quickly the coaches exited really quickly for the most part you know the, the team was in and out of there uh w- with a pretty pretty quickness uh I don't think that they took it very well that game so I don't think that this is exactly that again there were some people smiling and stuff coming off the field but uh, I learned this early reporting like you never know what someone is smiling about so unless they tell you or you hear it you can't read too much into it uh you know some people Look at Dory Jackson. I always bring him up. He always had a smile on his face. You know, he's, that's just the type of person he is. Didn't matter if it was the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. He's still going to keep a smile on his face because of everything he went through to get here. And, you know, th- that's just the nature of the player he is. So, you know, I don't take too much away from it. But I think that there is still, you know, a culture issue where players need to be more invested. And I think this goes more back to the Oregon game and when there were players posing for photos when they were down by a lot of points yeah. because I think that, I said at the time, I think that shows what's more important to you. The game and being upset about the game or getting that that pick and looking looking good with your flex on. you know That's more important to you at that time than caring so much about the game that you're upset, you know, at what's going on. So I think that has to, you know, has to be turned around. That's a head coaching thing. That's a strength and conditioning thing. That's a positioning coach thing. That's a leadership thing on the team. You know, it's a whole culture of the staff. And, you know, sometimes it's it's a recruiting thing too. Finding the right players. You know, there are some five-star guys that you don't want a part of your program. You know, they can there's times when the best players are cancers in your locker room. And it can be more detrimental what they do off the field um, than what they can contribute on the field. Now, I'm not saying that's a, anything about the USC current uh, roster, but I'm just saying you have to be able to look at those things when you're recruiting as well. And maybe that's what the coaching staff will try to sell you on this year. Oh, it's a really bad recruiting ranking, but we love the character of the players. Yeah. Of course you do. Um, but I, I think that it's a whole culture thing that that needs to be addressed and should be addressed constantly in the offseason, starting with strength and conditioning, starting with any meetings that the coaching staff has. Um, but I don't think Urban Meyer is the only one that can do that. I don't think he's the only coach that can fix that. I think there's plenty of coaches that could have fixed that if they came in and started fresh here. Can Clay Helton do it? That's a big question. The defensive coordinator hire, I think, is going to play into that a lot. Um, you need to get that defense just being locked down and being aggressive at all times. And then I think they'll have the passion. I think the passion a lot of times starts on the defensive side rather than on the offensive side. Offense is fun. You score points. Everyone gets excited. The passion and the energy can you know progress from the defensive side. That's where it, you know it starts. You know because you're the ones creating the big hits. You're the ones that stuffing the other team. I think then everything can kind of exude from the defense. So I think it starts there. Yeah. To answer the text quickly and and add to what Shotgun said, I, I saw some players joking around like during the game going on. And, you know, I kind of side with Shotgun. Like, you never know. I'm like a nervous laugher. If there's tension, I just laugh and it's kind of inappropriate sometimes. So, like, you never know. But um, also context kind of matters. I feel like knowing where you are in the game, Greg Johnson kind of flexing after the sack when they were already down by a lot. Like, maybe don't do that, you know? I, I don't yeah. know. Things like that. But the thing that was concerning was talking to some of the players after the game and 
it kind of I kind of got a sense that it was like, oh, well, it's just a bowl game. We'll come back. Like we're good. Like we'll fix some things. And it's like, okay, it's a bowl game, but you also just got embarrassed like on national television. Like it does matter. So that's the thing that's concerning, and and that's when you question the culture and whatnot. Um, but yeah, yeah, like when you question when you're like, oh, they it looked it felt like this year the Notre Dame game they weren't really focused on it because it didn't matter as far as winning the Pac-12 South. Like they lowered the bar a little bit. So it was like, try to win the Pac-12 South. And uh, if you lose the Notre Dame, it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't hurt your, you well, know, that's your overall the, goal or whatever. That's where the top down thing matters because mm-hmm. after USC loses to BYU, what's the message that Clay Helton is giving the press? You know, it's, oh, well, it's a great team and we still can control our destiny in the, in the, in the yeah. South. And it's like, but is that really what you want for your program? Losing to BYU? Like, it's not a great program we've no. seen in hindsight. Like, so I think it's definitely a top-down thing, like Shotgun said. BYU almost beat Akron the next week, though. So that was... Okay. Yeah, they oh. almost did. <laughs> and even if it's a different message he's given in the locker room than to the media, like, that's a time to send a message after a loss to BYU. You know, I, I think that instead of having... Maybe there were two messages. I don't know. I, I, it didn't sound like it from the players we talked to. You know, They gave a lot of the same answers that Clay Helton did. So I don't think that there was. But even then, like Clay Helton, should, the message to the media should have been, this is unacceptable. We got to do so much better. You know, We shouldn't be playing on this level, even if it's a tough road environment, even if it's at altitude, even if there are excuses that can be made. We're not going to make any of those. We need to get back to work immediately. Did he say any of those things? No, not really. No. It was more about you trying to find the like, well, yes, it sucked that we lost this game, but we could still win the Pac-12. It's more of like trying to sell like what what still could be. And you're not really looking at, well, There's, there's a time for optimism and there's a time for realism. Yeah. And I don't think that Clay Helton always, you know, finds the right time to put one of those out there. Now, also... Part of the reason why you sell optimism when you're on a hot seat is so that you don't fall through the seat and fall down in, into the depths of hell or whatever is below. <laughs> wow. um, the hot seat? Well, that's where the fi- flames come from, right? Sure. On a hot seat? Like a throne, a king? Sure. You know what's funny? Someone, a bonfire, uh, maybe. We get a lot of uh, um, replies on our – so we do Tunnel Vision together, if you guys don't haven't watched that. And this is just a podcast version, not just a podcast, but we're not doing a video aspect to this. And on the Tunnel Vision uh, on YouTube, we'll get a lot of comments. And I think someone said, is he really on – one of the comments was something about, is Clay Helton really on the hot seat? Like, he hasn't been fired yet. Like, you, can you really say that he's on the hot seat? And it's like, there's no – I mean, the hot seat's basically created by – the media and fans anyway. And if, if, if you, I, I would say if you're constantly talking about that person potentially being fired, then I think they're on the hot seat. Like you're not talking about Nick Saban being fired all the time. So you can't say he's on the hot seat, but if, if every time you do a, you know, you're talking about him, the, the point of like, well, he's still going to have a job or will he keep his job if he does this or that, that you have to be on the hot seat. If it's always a topic, but we're not the ones who make that final decision right though, which yeah. is why the question is kind of relevant it's like is he really on the hot seat when he stayed after this past season you know yeah there's like logically he should be on the hot seat yes but he hasn't been you have an incompetent athletic department that now is getting shaken up a little bit i think if you're making a statement two times two years in a row but if you're making a statement about it that means they're on the hot seat yeah i guess the athletic department is saying like that's true hey we're gonna change this and change this and change this and change this and this but not the head coach yeah. yeah, that tells you it's in the hot seat. Yeah, so yeah. that would point. be my reply to that response. I mean, question, Ryan. 
All right. We got an email from Eric in Duck Country. He said, we've seen for years now that Clay Helton won't change the way that the team practices. If a new defensive coordinator comes in and forces change, does that, doesn't that make the new DC more of an authority figure than Clay Helton? I know that people will say that Clay, quote unquote, allowed the change, but especially if the new DC is someone like Charlie Strong or someone who has experience with high, a high level coach or big time program, won't that person demand more respect than Clay and thus be the new head coach? Thanks for everything, Eric in Duck Country. But they've made some changes. Uh, this is why this is tough to say, uh, you know, to answer this question directly. On the offensive side, they made changes in the way they practice. You know, they made changes to the offense itself, and Clay went with that. You know, he realized that, you know, that there was an opportunity there to produce a better offense, and that's why he went with it. So I think that that would just be kind of a development and the progression of a coach. You know, you realize that this is not working. This person is going to do it this way. And we're going to see if that works. So I I don't think that you would go, okay, the D.C. now has all the power in the locker room type of thing. I don't feel it would be uh, to that extent. I, I think that you would just see it as, you know, adjusting your coaching style and adjusting to what your team needs. Yeah. Hypothetically, this would be where the CE role would take place is Clay would have the authority to oversee everything, but it would be all right if your defensive coordinator took more of that leadership role, right? Yeah, it w- I, yeah. If you're not threatened by that, I think that's fine. I know Eric wants someone else to be the head coach, but I'm sorry, <laughs> Clay is still the head coach. Just because you hire a good defensive coordinator doesn't mean he stops being the head coach. Um, I, but I think that's people's uh, knock on Clay Helton is that hypothetically he wouldn't want to hire anyone that could have that potential. Right. And I, I think sit like for USC, what I've always wanted them to do is hire a sitting power five athletic director. And I kind of got close. They hired it. You know, Cincinnati is one of the top, you know, group of fives or whatever. Um, and he was a he was an athletic director in the power five before. So it's you know, it's along those lines. Same thing when you're talking about hiring a defensive coordinator. I just wanted him to go out and get someone who's a sitting, you know, defensive coordinator somewhere. It's in power five. I think we didn't see that with Graham Harrell. Uh, now, Graham's good, but he's, he's he was on the younger side, inexperienced. Even though he's good at what he does, he hasn't. he's not going to come in with as powerful of a voice because he's only been a, an assistant coach for like four years. You know, like one year as an assistant in Washington State and then three at North Texas. The one we did see was Dylan McCullough, who was the Indiana running backs coach. So he was a power five running backs coach. USC needed a running backs coach. They hire him. Now he only stuck around for one year and, but he was really good when he was there. And I think that's where we haven't seen Clay Helton go out and do that where like you're top of the, you know, what should be the top of the food chain in the power five, getting someone from middle or lower power five, someone that's doing that job to come in at USC shouldn't be that big of a problem. And he's kind of been really reluctant to do that, I guess. So it, it doesn't seem like they act like a blue blood program enough. You know, Texas is rumored right now to be talking to SMU's defensive coordinator for their linebacker position. Like, when has USC went out and got someone that's at a higher level for a lower, like for a position coach? Yeah. That hasn't happened. You know, that's what a blue blood program does. A blue blood program like Alabama, Nick Saban. Okay, well, the Maryland coach got fired. Mike Loxley, I think Loxley was, you know, before he went to, whenever he went, went to Alabama and was an analyst. Like, who is USC? Now, Dave Campo, ton of knowledge, ton of experience there. USC's guys that are helping out off the field, the guys that can't coach, are young guys, are Chris Hawkins, are Michael Hutchings, you know, guys that are that are up and coming, which is what you would expect out of a group of five, not out of a power five blue blood. USC's doing it the reverse way, and it seems like it's very – it's almost like it's a penny-pitching effort. 
Like, okay, yeah. well, we don't have any money to spend. And that always is a concern. You know, we don't know the financials behind there because it's not a, because it's a private school. So you can't exactly say uh, what it is, but they paid their coordinators. So it makes you wonder, like, why are you not acting like a blue blood? Go out there and outbid somebody for, for a, you know, a big name. You know, they went out and got Cliff Kingsbury last year. I think that was it. You know, that was the one outlier in this you know even more so than dealing mccullough is you went and got a former head coach that has a hot name and you brought him in as your offense corner now you lost him to the nfl that's a situation i think was out of usc's hands i don't think anyone expected yeah, I don't blame that. Him for that yeah, yeah. Um, but that's really the only time where you've gone and acted like a true blue blood and been like you know we need this and we're gonna go get it yeah i think that was a situation that kind of fell under you it's sort of a perfect situation a little for bit USC. But it, it did take – you had to go out and make that hire. I think there's been some situations for the defensive coordinator stuff, like a Todd Orlando or something like, hey, you could have got him. And, um, you know, he ends up going to Texas Tech or something like that. But I would have liked to see them do that flex a little bit more with the defensive coordinator. And we haven't – you know, we haven't made a hire yet, but we just haven't seen it. It just feels like so often it's we need this. Are we going to go get it? No, it's we need this. We hope we get it. Yeah. It almost parallels – recruiting as of late a little bit like finding the diamonds in the rough and hoping it pans out rather than like landing that five star over and over again right now yeah. it just seems like there's parallels there it's like butch jones gets fired by tennessee and he becomes an intern for nick saban i mean yeah there's a good example kiffin and sark you know same thing like this we're gonna go work for for nick saban and and usc needs to do that more and act like act like a blue blood program you know um, so I like Joe Barry. I like a lot. It looks like, you know, that's probably where USC is going. He hasn't been a college, you know, not a power five, you know, um, a defensive coordinator before he has been an NFL defensive coordinator, uh, with some mixed results. I like him a lot personally, but you know, I think you could have made uh, a potentially bigger splash by going out and trying to, you know, take someone, you know, someone's defensive coordinator away. Like go, go take their ball. Like, you know, like you're the biggest kid on the, on the, the playground, Go take that wimpy kid's ball, you know. It's like you don't want to be, but USC will never do. They don't act like they could be the 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 uh, conference bully like they should. Yeah, and if you're if you do it in conference, you steal away power from another team and, and boost yourself. That's that's what the blue bloods should yeah. do. Mm-hmm. All the teams in your conference should always be mad at you if you're USC. Like yeah. the, every team in the Pac-12, just like, why can't we be like USC? They just go and you know. Oh, you got it. Someone is good. Okay, we'll take them. Thanks, appreciate it. Yeah, you know, just like the rest of the Pac-12 should be the farm system for USC in coaching and in situations like that. You know, they should be able to say that guy's doing really well. We should try to get him and be able to do it. And that's not been the case. They've tried to get some people and been turned down. Again, it's hoping they're not okay. We need to get this done. We're going to go do it. It's okay. We need this. Let's hope it happens. Even with you know, if Joe Barry is to become the defense coordinator, you think it's the same thing. Like, why has that not happened already? You yeah. know, well, we're hoping that Joe Barry will decide on us is what it seems like from the outside. Now, we don't know those inter- internal discussions, if that's the guy they're really targeting. But if he ends up being the, the defense coordinator, you go, they hoped and waited until after he saw what his options were in the NFL and then decided to come to, that he wanted to come to USC. Not, we're going to go get him. We're not letting him say no. And I think you have to be able to analyze what, what's going on well, a guy like Alex Grinch, when he was doing a really good job at Washington State, Ohio State identified him and hired him away exactly. to be the co-defensive court. Like, yeah. could USC have done that? Like, okay, he's better than what we have. Let's go get him. No, and now he's the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. And got- Oklahoma did the same thing with him. They're like, our defense is terrible. Let's go get somebody. And 
they stole it from another blue blood. Yeah. It wasn't even going to a you know a lower lower a tier school. So why is USC never doing that? No, and Tim DeRuiter at at Cal. I mean, Cal's defense one of the best in the conference for sure. He's a former head coach. Did a really good job at Texas A and M when he was defensive coordinator. I have a pretty good relationship with him. Um, you know, I, I I'm not saying he'd say yes, but like someone like that, I think would be interested at least. You know, and and coming, you know, having USC talk to them and. That hasn't happened, you know, and so you're you're wondering like why things like that wouldn't be like there's some some at least try, you know. I don't know if he would come, but I, I think he'd be open to talking, and you know, you're not talking to the guys like that. Again, I feel like there's parallels to the recruiting front as well. We've talked about how they've kind of been USC has been behind the curve and not being innovated innovative on that front, aggressive on that front, having the resources for that front. And I don't think USC has enough resources to identify the coaches that are the diamonds in the rough and to try and, you know, I just feel like there's not an aggressiveness that you would expect from a blue blood program on all levels on that front. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, the recruiting parallels I think are, are a good, uh, a good way to put it because we've, we've seen the same sort of thing on that side. What's funny is we're actually getting through, question slower with shotgun rather than with dan which is shocking but we're getting through it which is good (laughs) Uh, we have an email from mark who says great job on securing the interview with sosna i look forward to hearing more from bone on how they intend to fix this dumpster fire in the entire athletic department and find out if they intend to address the issues in the conference following up on the comments by the various coaches emphasizing toughness and aggressive play how can you square this round hole with the commitment to the air rate seems oxymoronic to me but what do i know mark well, thanks for that one, Mark. Uh, I'm glad Mark likes that we are talking to the athletic department a little bit, trying to build that relationship more. Not all the fans are happy because of the decisions that were made. Um, yeah, I, I think the talk of toughness has been there. I don't know. We haven't seen that really in practice or anything like that. But I, I'm not going to throw stones at the the offense got a lot better. So whatever you want to say, I don't care if you want to say that offense is tough or finesse or whatever. The offense is doing much better than it did. You know, 2019 was a lot better than 2018. Hey, look at LSU's offense. They throw the ball a ton. They put up a ton of points, whether it was air raid or spread. I don't think really matters. You know, who set the tone with the physicality was their defense, you know, their defense, yeah. you know, and they improved game over game this season. So I think that tells you it, it doesn't start with the offense. The offense can be a finesse offense, um, if you can run the ball. And USC's running numbers were pretty good when they chose to run the ball. Now, obviously, the injuries played a big part in deciding not to midway through the season. But when they did run the ball, they had pretty good numbers there. Uh, the running backs can run between the tackles. they got to block better still. But I think all those things start with the defense and starts with the defensive coordinator higher. Yeah, so that's a big one. It's a big one. We'll see uh, when that comes through. Why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back and uh, finish up the rest of your questions. Uh, Back in a minute. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back here on the Parastyle Podcast. I got a voicemail for you guys. Let's uh, play it for you and see what you guys think. Hey, guys. Love show. Rick from Lomarada, obsessed with USC Trojan football. Wanting to see, I know everyone says it's not, but are we looking at a QB controversy? And if we are, who who steps in? I know everyone says JT Daniels, but little man did a lot this year. Could he transfer, or what does that do to quarterback Jake Garcia coming in? Does he look at Slovis and pause? I mean, what are your guys' ideas on that? Thank you. So I've touched on this a, a couple different times. You know, as far as a quarterback competition, quarterback controversy, I think that at the beginning of the season, JT Daniels was clearly the number one guy. But then at the end of the season, at worst, Keaton Slovis is equal with JT Daniels. Like right now, at worst, J- JT Daniels and Keaton Slovis are equal. But the difference is going to be that Keaton Slovis is going to have the next six to eight months to continue to progress in this offense through the you know the workouts and through the summer throwing sessions and different things like that and just being film sessions with the coaches in his free time. Whereas JT Daniels can't do the physical things still. So I think that Keaton Slovis is easily going to be ahead of him when they get to fall camp, and that's even that's if JT Daniels is ready to go by fall camp. So I don't think that there's going to be some big controversy. I just think Keaton Slovis is going to continue to progress from what we've seen from him, from what we've seen from him when we saw him come to USC camp, you know, two years ago to now. The progression has been, you know, just just leaps and bounds. He made big progressions throughout the season as well. I think he will continue to progress in this offense in a second year with Graham Harrell where JT Daniels just can't do that until he's cleared physically. Yeah. So because of that, Keaton Slovis is clearly going to be the starter. JT Daniels, you know, if it plays out exactly like that, JT Daniels will then go through the season. He, you know, he's at as the backup. Well, USC had their starting quarterback knocked out of the game five times this year. Yeah. <laughs> so you go ahead and say, okay, well, I'll, I'll be the backup and, you know, I may, maybe I get my chance, maybe I don't. If he doesn't get his chance, He's done. He's graduated after three years. He, you know, he can then leave and go to another program, have two years remaining, and, and be able to to play at a different program. So I think that's how it's most likely to play out. I don't think there's going to be a big controversy yeah. or a big competition. Now there will be a competition if JT Daniels is healthy by fall camp, but that's a big if in my mind. You know, just being able to be healthy and to be able to create in the pocket. JT was doing a really good job with his pocket mobility this you know this year coming into the season and that's something that Keaton Slovis I think that's where his game took some really big jumps throughout the season as him being able to move around, feel the pressures and know when to move out of the pocket, when to step up in the pocket, those type things. Is JT Daniels hampered mobility-wise even more so, uh, you know, next season uh, because of the knee injury, or is it 100? percent You know, those things we don't know. Th- those things are going to be hard to, to tell. But like I said, I don't think that there's a controversy going into next season, even though a lot of people want there to be one. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, a couple of things to you know look at. I think the early Heisman numbers came out, and Slovis is like third. He's like nine to one. Like he's number three or something on the Heisman <laughs> ridiculous. list. And then yeah. uh, Nick Rolovich is, was hired by Washington State uh, from Hawaii 
as the next head coach. There was some talk that maybe Graham Harrell would take over because he's a disciple of uh, Mike Leach. And it, it's it's interesting that Washington State went in a similar direction. It's not the same kind of offense that Hawaii runs. It's a different, you know, kind of a quirky thing, but they throw a crap load of balls. I think number one and number two in the country this year and passes thrown were Hawaii and Washington State. So that's going to be along the same lines, but it's not really, my understanding is not like an air raid kind of thing. It's a little bit different, but um, so that's good news. That looks like there's no reason why Graham Harrell would not be there. So you have Graham Harrell, you have Keaton Slovis, you know, and he's one of the favorites to win the Heisman early on. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any kind of controversy, but like the best point Shotgun made is five times the starting quarterback came out of a game. So you look at JT Daniels like, hey, I'm going to come in and play. And if JT Daniels comes in, and say it's like a Notre Dame game or something, and you're in the play in the second half, and you like tear up a good team, similar to what Keaton Slovis was doing, similar um, to what Matt Fink did. Yeah, they, one... then you're like, Yolo all right, Dave. so that that's going to help him a lot, even if it's not at USC, wherever he would end up. You know, yeah, yeah. It definitely helps his stock as far as you know NFL. If you're if you can show that you're prepared as a backup, I think that that will help his stock as an NFL. Just you know, a little extra tidbit there. If that's you know, if he comes in and does what you said, but also you know his stock to potentially go to another program and you know become the starting quarterback, he will be much more in uh, in demand, and he'll be the one you know he'll be the Jamie Newman of this season. Jamie Newman's name was floated around for a lot of top teams after he you know announced that he was going to leave Wake Forest. I think you can see a similar situation where JT Daniels, if he were to transfer after next year. If he comes in and you know shows that he can you know he can be a guy, then a lot of the top programs, and so you're not necessarily going like Jack Sears to San Diego State and going to a you know a, a group of five school. You're going to a top school that might be competing, and which would be really attractive. You know if you're not winning the the starting job at USC, I think. And I, I think the key factor that Shaka mentioned is just JT Daniels' health. I think some people are imagining this to be the competition that we saw last fall where everyone was healthy and essentially starting at the same point, but it's it's not. It's, it's going to be definitely different when JT can't even really throw in spring and whatnot, so yeah, it's different. That's tough. I mean, you're, if you're, you're not starting till maybe the beginning of fall camp at best. It's, yeah. It's, you, know, you don't have the summer. You don't have the spring. Yeah, that's going to be a tough, tough task. Mm -hmm. We have an email uh, that said, does anyone really think adding a new DC and special team coach will help the team improve? Helton will still control the practices, still won't practice tackling. In other words, they will all be the same. Yeah, there's definitely a group of USC fans out there that doesn't matter what you do. If Clay Helton's around, they are like, it doesn't matter. Like, oh, um, you know, (laughs) something, you know. Oregon disbanded their football team and Washington decided not to, I mean, it, oh, it doesn't matter. Clay Helton's the head coach. Like it just like, I think they they don't care about anything. So you can make this great defensive coordinator hire, uh, recruit all the best players in the world. And they're just going to be like, doesn't matter. Uh, Clay Helton's there. So uh, I, I think I, it depends on how much he's willing to adapt as well. Yeah. You know, is he willing to make some changes or is it going to be the same thing that no, we're not going to tackle at all. Depend. doesn't matter who the defense coordinator is. doesn't matter you know, how much discipline they have on and off the field. You know, are you willing to discipline players and and do different things like that that would help you with the penalties, would help you with the turnovers, you know, being more disciplined in those areas. Can they actually achieve that instead of just talking about it for the last year? Um, If they can do some of those things, and yes, there's plenty of talent still on this team. 
Uh, you know, there's a lot of starters coming back, especially on the defensive side. The defense could be really good, which is why I think it's still an attractive job to defense coordinators out there. Is you know, you come in and say, "Look what I look at the improvements I made with that team." And then even if it's just a one year stop, you have bumped yourself up to now you're in the blue blood status as a defense coordinator from whatever school you've come from. Or you can, you know, if you're one of the NFL guys, then maybe you can uh, bump your way back into the NFL and show that, look what I can do in one year with a college program. I can do the same thing, make a turnaround similar with some talent in the NFL as well. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you don't want to get someone that's just happy to be there, which is part of the problem when you hire Clay Helton. When they're just, it's, you know, his resume did not match being the USC head coach. Mm -hmm. So he's pretty happy to be there. If you bring in a DC, there's just like, wow, I'm USC's defensive coordinator. I'm happy to be here. You get someone that's been, you know, good places and done a good job. And they come in and like, okay, I'm not just here because I'm happy to be here. I'm here to make a difference. And here's how we're going to run practice. And here's how we're going to do those things. I think that's, that would definitely be beneficial to Clay Helton, but he's going to have to give, you know, how much is he willing to change and change his philosophies? He's got pretty set philosophies on how hard you practice and things like that for whatever reason. That's not something he feels comfortable doing. So do you get a powerful defensive coordinator who's going to have their own thoughts on things and do you let them do what they want to do? Uh, I think that's a big question. And the the special teams coordinator position will be an under, you know, will be under the radar potentially compared to the defense coordinator. But all those hidden yards, you always talk about hidden yeah. yards. And USC was in a ton of close games in the last couple of years. They did not do well in the hidden yards area, which could have really boosted them. You know, hidden yards can be responsible for like one to three points per game, you know, depending on how well you can do in those, those categories. And that's just punt returns, punting, the net punt that you have, kickoff returns. You know, how many times did they, were they stopped before the 25 yard line? You, if you force your offense to, okay, we need you to, we need you to pick up eight extra yards every drive. More so than the other team, like over a season, that's you know that's a ton of yardage that the offense now has to produce more than your opposition just because your return team can't get it back to the twenty-five yard line. And if that's if you can't do that, then call the fair catch, yeah. take the ball at twenty-five yard. All that's those risky, that's risky. All those hidden <laughs> yards, though, that they could that could potentially give them that one to two to three point boost in a game over the you know the stretch of the season. You know, those won't be talked about as much as the defense coordinator, but those can be really big for USC. And especially with the athletes that they have on the roster, you can create some special plays too. You could also mention the hidden minutes that you could get back in practice because oh, yeah. how much time was dedicated to special teams in practice? And if you change that philosophy, maybe go one ones versus ones. That's something that Clay Helton said that practicing for the, the holiday bowl, that's what the team enjoyed. The players really liked it. So maybe continue that. <laughs> so Yeah. It's funny. I haven't talked much about the special teams coordinator search or whatever. Because some people think, oh, I'll just promote Johnny Nansen or whatever. But as much as you know, I harped on Poor special teams play, and I think it was warranted. Shotgun put a lot of data. Shotgun out there. lived and breathed it. <laughs> yeah, um, it I, it is. I think you're right. It's, it's going to be an underrated kind of hire. That's a, a third of the game, you know. And if they've spent so much time on a lot of resources on special teams to be as bad as they were with the scholarships and the practice time, like Keeley said, um, putting starters out there, you know, weird. You know, oh, let's have your starting left tackle like doing, you know, covering punts or like stupid stuff. They're like, that doesn't the make much sense. The out there. Yeah. Uh, so I think it is a, you know, do you bring someone from the outside who's going to have a different way to run things? I think that would 
would probably help a lot, but we haven't we yeah, we haven't talked about that too much. It's okay to have starters on special teams. It's not okay to have Vi out there when he's injured and he's been dealing with a knee injury for six games of the year. And your running back depth is non-existent. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then you put him out to cover punts. I think that doesn't make any sense. Like he, it's one if a safety is out there to cover punts, you need guys that tackle can run those things. Isaiah Polamau was on a lot of punt coverage. Yeah, you know, uh, Talanohu Funga at the end of the season was on occasionally on kickoff coverage. Those things make sense. You need guys that are, that run, can absorb contact, uh, take on a block, and make a tackle. But your running backs, like, and he was an interior guy on the punt coverage, so he was one of the first guys going down, dealing with like blocks and wedges and stuff. It doesn't make any sense to me that he was one of the guys there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well yeah, we'll see what happens with special teams. But. We shall see. Well, speaking of which, Gustavo from Soonerland, uh, who actually made the Peristyle podcast bingo card over the holidays, uh, which was very fun. If you <laughs> it was good. That out. It was pretty good. It was pretty accurate. Yeah. I wonder, because we have all three of us on a podcast, there's probably a lot of bingo spots that have been checked off. Uh, but he wants to know about the timing to get all the spots filled, um, and he wants to know if we're going to see any more uh, updates on the hot boards on the Peristyle. Yeah, there were, you know, we haven't heard a whole lot. Uh, I think, you know, they were kind of focusing on some of the changes in the athletic department. Um, when will this be announced? I don't know. I mean, I've had, you know, coaches from different programs text me and be like, hey, what's Clayton take us along for? I mean, Washington State, like, lost their head coach and hired a new one, you know, in during this time that USC is still looking for a new uh, defensive coordinator. So it's... Clayton's not been fast to move to these sort of things. And I think some of it is just he has to feel comfortable with, you know, the people that he's hiring. And he's not the guy that's going to go out and just pick the best resume and and try to bring them in. And I think that's one of the, the you know, I think it's a valid criticism. And it goes back to the blue blood thing. Like, you're a blue blood. You could go out and just go and like, hey, who's... uh Who's Iowa's defensive coordinator? They have one of the better defense. Like, I don't know. Maybe we could hire that guy. Like, just doing things like that. USC's just not done those kind of things. And so, I timing-wise, I wish I could we could tell you. Um, I mean, the latest we've been hearing is more of the Joe Barry stuff. But I don't – I mean, it's, the longer it goes on, the more it's just sort of like, yeah, it's USC. I think Gerard brought up a good point where you, there's not like a – a recruiting angle that you need. They're probably not going to bring in, a, you know, any more defensive players in this recruiting class, according to Gerard, you know, maybe one or two, but it's, so I don't think you need to bring someone in before the dead period ends in a few days. Uh, so if you're not really looking on the recruiting side of things, it's just, you want to get the right person, but am I thinking they've taken too long already and they'll probably be underwhelming on the hire? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the camp I'm in right now. I disagree. I think you need to get someone in by the end of the recruiting period because not only are you looking at this class, but you're looking at the 2021 class. Uh, guys like Rajon Davis, you're going to have junior days during this period. You know, you're know, you going to invite people in, You know, and there's a, to- a ton of top underclassmen that you're going to want to get on campus. You want to have that guy there to sell ah, them. What's on. the hurry? I, I know. <laughs> no, I know. You're, no, you're I mean, of, of course you're right. I mean, they shouldn't have taken this long. Um, but the one thing that, that – Maybe the reason why you take so long is because you're waiting on someone's season to finish. Now that could be at the NFL level. That could be at the college level. College season is now over. Uh, if you were going to act like a true blue blood, you go out and you say Dave Aranda's from Southern California. Dave Aranda's been mentioned for a number of different jobs. He was mentioned you know, as a possibility for Hawaii and uh, UNLV, and those will probably be you know, downgrades in pay. You go out and you get Dave Aranda and say – 
you're from Southern California, come here, be great at USC, uh, show what you can do. You know, you'll be even more revered at USC than you are at LSU because people will say, look at the turnaround you did there. Um, so I, I think that, you know, he's, he's a little bit overlooked right now. Everyone's talking about the offense at LSU and stuff. Maybe he's a candidate out there. If that's why you've waited this long, then it's then it's a good reason. Yeah, that's probably not the reason though. Just because oh, yeah. from uh, what we're used to seeing from USC, that would not lead you to believe that's what I would happen. take everything back that I've said about Clay Hill. That if you went out and got a Dave Aranda, like that's a big deal. And and I think if you're talking about hitting some singles. I mean, there's no way that the athletic department wouldn't have been involved in that. So that's like a Mike Bone little, you know, that's another knock. Bases are loaded. Hit yeah, I, don't, I don't know if you're going to say bases loaded there, but really? but that's another D- single. Getting like, Dave Aranda is not a bases loaded oh, situation. Oh, no, I think it's an extra base hit is yeah. what I'm saying. I'm saying I was going to say if you guys are going to say that's a home run higher, then the bases weren't loaded. It wasn't the grand slam. You're not getting the grand slam no, there. No, no. No, okay. Yeah. But it Might would, be a solo shot, maybe at least a double or triple. That would okay. so that would be uh, you know off script. That's something that USC hasn't felt doing. I mean, he's definitely going to you know command the room. He's going to be a powerful figure that would be brought in. Um, yeah, so you'd have to give you know give a ton of credit to Clay Helton and to the athletic department if they're able to pull something like that off. I do not think that's going to be pulled off, but no, that's what the, I would do. But that's the kind of thing that you could you know that's you know that's what a boss would do. Like you you wouldn't act like a boss, and USC is not been acting like a boss i would at least explore it and make him say no but yeah we'll that's see. what we're saying about the urban meyer stuff it's like you got him you know you got to go after him and at least make him say no and the good thing for all those people that are still holding out urban meyer hope no he's not it's not happening this year but the you know the the whole coaching cycle has ended and he doesn't have a job he's going to be an analyst most likely for another year so if in the very likely case that you're talking about a next head coach at USC, you know, 10 months from now or whatever, no reason why he shouldn't be at the top of the list again. So until there's an opening. Right, right. But I mean, like if you're if that's who you're holding out hope for, it would suck if he became like the Dallas Cowboys head coach or something. Sure. I mean, he did. Or you know, wor- worse would have been like a, a college head coach somewhere. Then fans would have been like jumping off bridges. But at least if you if that's what you're you know you could hold out a little bit of hope that he's you know maybe it's delayed a year i don't know i don't know yeah. i don't know i still think it would be the i mean the killer hire and he's really good on tv though he's really good and way less stress you could pay a lot of money to just do something he's really good at naturally it's 2020 we're not going to bring up he who shall not be named no. until there's an opening that's it's my funny. new rule. I'm curious. I, w- I would love to like do an interview with like John Gruden because Gruden was getting like six or seven million dollars a year to do like, you know, 17 games a year. <laughs> like it's like ridiculous. So it, and now you're like, you know, moving the franchise. Like he's in, you know, he's he's really busy. He's working really hard for a little bit more money. You know, like I wonder if you're like, would you go back and just go be a TV guy for you know six million bucks a year? I, I mean, the rumors that Tony Romo is going to get. Bajillion over dollars. ten million dollars. I mean, is he really? Oh man, ESPN's I mean, trying really to get him. That's at least the the rumors of what they're offering. So I mean, they're going to be the money is getting closer and closer to being similar to the top head coaches. Yeah, and like you said, there's it's a way l- less work. L- lot less stress is the most important thing I yeah. think for the families. Uh, you know, yeah. Even if even some of the broadcasters. You know, I give a lot of credit to some of the people like Kevin Harlan, you know, covers a ton of games during the season. 
but there's a lot less stress covering a game and you know being a broadcast announcer or being an analyst than there is 365 recruiting 365 coaching yeah. you know one loss changes your season you know those it's a lot different and you know especially for coaches that have families and want to spend more time with families and you know if that is something they desire but there's always that allure there's always the allure yeah oh i just miss it so much you know any you ask any football player you know that's done they're like oh i'm i'm glad that my body's not taking this beating and then that first sunday or that first saturday or the sea games like oh man i miss it i miss it i want to yeah. hit something i mean that's <laughs> something different like you can get paid similar money but you don't have the same satisfaction like when Tony Romo like tells you exactly what the play is going to be like oh watch this he's going to that guy's going to go in motion it's going to be play action here and he's going to hit this dude on a whatever seam and you know that's satisfying but not like you're not throwing the, the winning, doing it yeah the throwing the winning touchdown is way more satisfying if you're you know for John Gruden like if he could win a Super Bowl again that'd be way more satisfying than calling a Super Bowl you know so. yeah yeah to each their own um, I'm going to wrap it up with this last email. It's from Eric in Duck Country. He says, do you think that Mike Bone's ego, along with the egos of other people at Heritage Hall, will eventually fix all of this? Now that this is drawing so much national attention, I find it hard to believe that these people don't care. Why would you want to attach your name to such a mess? Thanks, Eric in Duck Country. I mean, egos are always involved. Uh, and I think, mm-hmm. uh, what was it? It was the new coach for the Cleveland Browns. Um Stefanski. Stefanski gave a quote from Truman, and it was something. I, I'm going to butcher it, but it was something along the lines of like, "The sky's the limit on what you could accomplish if uh, no one cares about taking the credit." And I think that's one of those. It's kind of one of those situations where there's always going to be egos involved. I don't know if it was about taking credit in the athletic department, but I think it was definitely people there. There's little silos of power. Their little fiefdoms that were there, and people wanted to keep that the same, and they wanted to, you know, they they. It wasn't really about the egos; it was just more about what they were comfortable with. They wanted to keep everything going the same way. And when you hire athletic directors who don't know what they're doing, um, you can keep everything the same. Did you have the quote? Or? It is amazing what you can accomplish if you do not care who gets the credit. Yeah, Truman. Pretty close. I was. I, I think I, I captured the, the essence of The sentiment, of it. yes, sure. Um, so I don't think that's what's happening here. I think it's more about you needed to change some of the old guard. And I think Mike Bone's doing that. I don't, to, for Eric, I don't think it was an ego thing. I don't think ego is the reason that Clay Helton is still the head coach. I think they walked into a pretty crappy situation and they made a call that it's better to not fire him now than later. I'm not saying that call's right. I think that call is incorrect. I think they needed to make the change. But I don't think it's anything about ego. I think it's more about knowing that they're, the athletic department is an absolute mess and you got to make some changes. And today we saw the first steps towards making those changes. Ego usually happens more when you've hired your guy and you stick with him too long. Yes. That's my guy. He's going to make it happen. I hired him. Uh, no, not necessarily. Rather than usually, it goes the other way. Ego usually pushes coaches out when there's new bosses around. I'll get my guy in here and we'll fix things, type yeah. of thing. So I don't think ego necessarily plays into the Clay Helton decision keeping him around. Um, but egos, you know, ego and power are always going to play into decision making. Um, and power has been an issue in the USC athletic department. You know, I've said this many times. Why do they not make this certain move? Well, because people in power don't want to give up the power. And that's what it would take for 
you know, a, a coach to come in and take over basically the entire program, you know, similar to what Urban Meyer has done at uh, stops he's had previously, where when he comes in, he brings this guy with him, he brings this guy with him. You're going to have to have all these people come in with this coach. You know, those type things they weren't comfortable with in Heritage Hall uh, doing and making that vast change to the power structure. Whereas now, I think if you've moved some of these people out, there might be some changes then. And I think the ego has been a factor. When you when you think you can hire a Pat Hayden and you think you can hire a Lynn Swan, and even when you think you can hire a Clay Helton, when you think you can hire someone that's never done the job before, you feel like, well, we're good enough that we don't need an experienced person to run our athletic department. We got enough people around here. We just need a figurehead. It's fine. Like that's an ego. That's ego. that's saying, okay, I, I don't need the best. Clean, you know, I, I need my house cleaned. I, I'm really smart. I'm going to go get that sh- short order cook to clean the house and not a, not a maid or whatever, not a cleaning lady. You're, you, you've had this ego that it doesn't, I, I can figure it out. Like you don't need, I don't need an experienced person to do that. Or like uh, a Roomba rather than a, a maid. Sorry, continue. Yeah. They don't, not the greatest analogy, but there, <laughs> the, the, there was a lot of ego there involved in that. And I think there was ego involved in a Pat Hayden saying that what's more important winning football games or getting someone that's not going to rock a football coach that's not going to rock the boat. And so saying after the UCLA game, Clay Hilton's going to be the permanent head coach, you know, and then losing five of your next six games with him as the head coach. I think there was ego involved with Pat Hayden and not waiting until the end of the season because he already made his choice. So he was going to sell high, you know, he's going to you know try to sell high when right after Clay won that one game, and then you go out and get stomped by what was it Oregon and Stanford and uh, whatever it was it was a really terrible run after that um, and Wisconsin I think you know, Stanford all of, and then Wisconsin Stanford yeah. and then Wisconsin and then Alabama Alabama Utah and Stanford again uh, with a win five over six, Utah yeah. State in there or something I think oh whatever yeah so five out of six runs so that to me that was an ego problem Lynn Swan giving an extension to Clay Helton when nobody else was trying to hire him away. Him and Max Nikias, I think that was an ego problem. And not realizing, you know, it's just like you make these personal decisions where it doesn't matter what anyone's saying around you. It doesn't matter what the world is saying around you, that he is not a coach in demand. He does not need a fully, you know, huge-ass extension. That's, to me, that's ego stuff. I don't think what's happening right now I don't think there's ego stuff really going on. It's just, you know, I think it was a, a poor decision to keep Clay Helton again, but it wasn't, ba- I don't think it was an ego decision. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Good stuff. All right. Well, this is a different podcast. We don't really get the Shaka three of us made on. made his first emergency pod debut. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> That's of just because wh- there's been so many losses and struggles in the last couple of years that not every loss is an emergency anymore where as it used to be the case yeah. you know yeah. 10 years ago Sad. when you've lost what 12 of your last 25 games like you're you know there's not really uh it's not a very good record but we've had emergency for like you know the lynn swan stepping down uh the, the holiday bowl the last pod we did with dan was an emergency podcast yeah so that was like the that holiday constituted bowl one. As an emergency so i think podcast. the rain or troy people said it was just like a regular car cast like well we don't do like it's an emergency for us because we don't normally do one right after the game yeah, like that. Yeah. And we did it right after the game like that. It needed to be addressed. Yeah. 
after the the butt whooping and Shellacking, stuff. So, yeah. But why? I mean, what was the emergency? Was anybody like super shocked by that? The result of that game? No. They're With like, their- okay, they could win this game. They could lose this game close. Oh, they got blown out. Yeah, I'm not really shocked by that. I think you need shock value if there's going to be an emergency. Ah, fair. I mean, today, you know, 80 years of athletic department experience was. I'm okay fired. with today. You can call it an emergency, but it's. See, I mean, it's not a shock though. Like we knew at least 70 of those years should have been gone. So yeah, but the, some of those <laughs> should have been gone for a long time. So right. it is a shock that it finally happened. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it it's like you said, it, it's something that needed to. It needed to happen to for this department to move on. Um, curious to see what Mike Bone's able to do. Can he hit some more singles? Uh, you're gonna strike out looking a couple more times. You don't want to do that. Like he he needs to get on a roll now. So. I'm just saying, I would you know take a take an early big hack in the count. You know, Joe Dave Aranda. You know, look out there and see his season is done now. There's not a lot of extra base hits available. I think that would be one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the only the only one is like, you know, I've come to my senses. I'm firing Clay Helton. Like that would be the the grand slam. Like that, everyone would like love him at that point. Like that's the, but you can do things like, you know, bringing Reggie Bush back. And I think it's a single, you know, getting rid of that FCS. That's a single. That has to be like a double. At least. I don't know. Like the fans are just not going to give him a lot of credit right yeah. now, but Aranda might like getting yes. Dave Aranda. That might, you know, can we also quickly talk about this? 150 top players of college football and <laughs> Reggie Bush being, what was it, 61 or something? Yeah, that seems- whole, are you see, kidding me? Okay, okay, but here's the thing. Are you kidding me? Playoffs. Lists like that are designed to do what we're doing right now, to be talked about. So I think but there's I don't even part know, of it that's I don't engineered. know who put the list out. I don't care who put it out because it's a terrible list if Reggie Bush is number 61. There was a lot. Yeah, I think uh, I might have been. I, know, I was listening on the radio this morning, and they were kind of talking about it, too, where it's just like, what? I think it might have been Dan Patrick talking about it. Like, OJ wasn't really high up there. And he said some of the people were just like, it was based on their NFL careers and not, um, you know, like John Elway never even played in a bowl game, you know, and they they had him up there and stuff. And, you know, there was stuff like that where it's like, come on, dude. If you were just talking about college player, like, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you got Joe Burrow's got to be up there somewhere. I just want to throw that out there that it was a terrible ranking. Yes. Yeah. I think we all can agree on that. I didn't really go through it, but they had a bunch of really, really old people at the uh, <laughs> right. at the ceremony. No, I mean like the the top eleven people that they showed there at the thing. Everyone was like, you know, from older generations. There was like nobody modern. I think that was. Imagine if Reggie Bush was there on the stage. That would have been cool. I, I think Michael Casillo said that the only person during his lifetime he's watched play uh, the highest ranked was Peyton Manning at twenty one. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. So then, who put this list together? Like we we don't need to know. It was just terrible. Don't give them any credit for putting it together. <laughs> well, you're, yeah, you're the one who brought it up. Sure. <laughs> it was bad. Well, hope everyone enjoyed uh, this edition of the Peristyle Podcast Emergency. Parastyle podcast. We got shotgun in studio. Um, yeah, it was fun. Hopefully, uh, Dan's feeling better. We'll try to get stuff back on a roll. Uh, yeah, you guys, anything else? We're gonna happy MLK Day soon. Oh yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be gone this weekend for a little MLK holiday. But my mom's retiring, so you know, uh, gonna go see her retirement party and stuff. Shouts to Mama Abraham. Yeah. So with I already got a couple of emails about like, because she worked with the homeless for like decades there. And uh, so people are thinking about that. Yeah, she's great. Mom's awesome. So I don't know what, what happened to me, but my mom is great. So <laughs> You're just summoning the news gods 
for USC. Right. So, so. so I mean, it happened today. I went to lunch, you know, with some old friends today and uh, boom, boom, all this stuff was breaking. I'm trying to be good. If you're out to lunch with somebody, I don't want, and I, my phone's going off. I try not to look at my phone and you know, now your watch will tell you things are going on. And it's like, oh crap. And it just would not stop. It's like getting texts or, you know, calls. Subtle flicks. And <laughs> no, subtle flex, really? Don't my watch, watch is going it? off. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a, I have a Garmin watch. It's like for <laughs> running and stuff, but it's, but it'll like tell you when you get a text message or a call or something. It's sort of, I, I kind of rely on that, but I try to keep my phone in my pocket, but you're sitting there at lunch and everything's going off. And I, I think that happened last, like when Swan was, when they, like, I think I was like in a meeting or something. I tried, like, I'm not going to talk. I'm I'm talking to these people. So I'm not going to like listen to what else going on in something the world. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But so it was like, uh, you try not to be like glued to your phone. Like, you know, if I'm having lunch with Keely and I'm just looking at my phone, reading stuff like, oh, that's interesting. Um, I don't care. I don't want to be rude. You know, it's like. Yeah. He's just flexing that he has friends, Shotgun. That's the real flex. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shotgun doesn't have friends. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> yeah. no, he had friends. They just, they kind of get, we don't have a choice because we work with them. <laughs> but, anyway. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say here. Poor Megan, man. She, she had a choice. Continue but, uh, on right. with the closing out this Let's podcast. Let's wrap crap up. That's Keely Yor, Shotgun Spratling. I'm Ryan Abraham. We all work for a little site called uscfootball.com. Make sure you check it out. So much good stuff on there. Lots of great analysis. Not just the podcast. So make sure you go to the site and check it out. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 